Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Oh, okay. Welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today I get to hang out with Sherry Lee Wysick, and I should have asked her how to pronounce her last name. How did I do on that? You did great. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She is the founder of the Facebook Profit Formula and loves teaching entrepreneurs all over the world how to use Facebook to grow and engage their communities, develop relationships, and make more money so they can have the business and lives of their dreams. She's a contributing author in the Amazon bestselling book, Rock Your Business with Kristen Thompson and nine other amazing entrepreneur authors. A single mom of two young adults, she created her business when her marriage ended, leaving her alone with two small kids to support. Through grit and determination, she has grown a successful Facebook marketing and ads agency that teaches and empowers women all over the world on how to grow their business so they can have the lives of their dreams. Thank you so much, Sherry Lee, for being here, for sharing this time and space with us. I love that, you know, you kind of started this business in the midlife, your midlife, right? I was um, 47. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I had never thought about being an entrepreneur in my life. I'd always been what I thought of as a very unsuccessful um, employee (laughs) because I could only hold the job for about two years before we had to part ways because I was done taking orders and they were done with me not listening to the orders. And so um, I was your classic unemployable person, but I, I thought that made me a bad employee. It turns out I was actually just an entrepreneur wearing an employee's coat and I didn't know it. So um, yeah. And then, you know, I got married and I had kids and I was a stay at home mom and I was homeschooling. And so I still hadn't thought about being an entrepreneur And my husband had been an entrepreneur all of his life. He had only worked in one job in his life. So polar opposites in that regard. But he opened my eyes to the freedom that's possible with being an entrepreneur. And so when he decided he no longer wanted to do family, um, I decided that was a good time to start a business, even though I'd never done it before. And um, jumped in both feet. Oh, I love that. And so many people, when they, they kind of do fall into entrepreneurship and they don't realize like the, you know, time is money, money is time type of thing. And they don't realize all the things, all the hats that they wear as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you decided to jump in, did you, how did you fund your business? Well, I'm really lucky. I started my business for less than a hundred dollars. 
Wow. So I bought a ream of paper from Staples. I ordered some business cards from Vistaprint. And I printed a flyer on that ream of paper. And then I paid $35 to go to a networking dinner and I sold a class. Wow. <laughs> and so <laughs> That's awesome. that, that was it. It was a $97 class. I think it was three or four hours into how to set up your Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn accounts. Uh, I mean, this was back in 2010, I did that. Mm -hmm. And so it cost me a hundred dollars to start the business. And the first night I went and sold anything, I think I sold six or seven $97 programs. And I just thought I was rolling in the dough and I was so excited. And um, then I just kept doing that. I just kept going to networking events with flyers and selling the biggest expense, I think was my wine in the first <laughs> couple of years, <laughs> you know? I yeah. That. So I, 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 what I like about that is, I mean, I don't think you need to have, I, I've, I have been a little bit envious of these people who had like investors and big bank rolls and they could just jump in and do everything all at once. You know, I had to kind of bootstrap it. It, you know, was a while before I added in some technology pieces before I was paying for services that I needed before I hired a VA or before I hired an accountant. It was a while I built to those things, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I mean, I literally started at less than zero when I started the business. So um, was it the easiest course? Maybe not, but it was the course that I needed it to be right. Because mm -hmm. now, you know, I have a system that's very lean. I have a, you know, I don't have a ton of expenses in my business. Um, but the opportunity to generate massive revenue is huge. And so, you know, it's the, been the same all the way through, learn a new system, implement it, get the result, and then add some features to systematize and help me make it a little bit easier has always been my focus. Yeah. And that's a wonderful focus to have a streamlined backend. So you don't have to worry about being in tech debt or, you know, hiring teammates or team members that just, you know, are producing duplicate results. Yeah. Or, you know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs invest in multiple coaching programs thinking that this is going to be the thing that helps me get to the next level mm -hmm. and after all those shiny objects. So a lot of times that need to invest, I like to call it investing. <laughs> Some people call it wasting their money because they end up signing up for programs that duplicated a program that they already had. And they're like, why did I do that? And yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, did you do? Well, sorry. I was going to say like a lot of people start a business and go, well, first I'm going to build a website and now I'm going to brand myself. And that's thousands of dollars and months of time. I, I just... I didn't have the time for that. I had to pay the rent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, my, my ex left and he didn't pay child support. So I was holding the bag by myself. And after 14 years of never, ha of not having a job, it was, I was just under the gun. Like, and so I, I, to this day still don't have a website 13 mm -hmm. years into business and I don't have a properly built website um, I've never gone through a full branding exercise. And I think those things are investments that people make that are a waste of money because mm -hmm. really nobody cares about your brand or your website or any of that stuff. They care about what you're going to help them achieve. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I just worked with a client last month who wanted to set up a membership and he had spent a month analyzing all of the platforms that were out there that he could host his membership on, you know, so he was comparing Thinkific and Kajabi and he was looking at the pricing and he was, you know, a hundred bucks US every month. And he's like, I'm not making any money on this. I'm going to charge $9 a month to the membership. This is a huge commitment to take on. And I said, why are you doing that? Run it in a Facebook group generate revenue, and then add in the bells and whistles after you get the revenue. So that's always been my my kind of process in this business. And what I try to share with people is to, you know, not spend more than you actually have to spend. Mm-hmm. It's a good practice to be in, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, when you think about money as a person, imagine money as a person, describe mm-hmm. your relationship. Um, I love this question. And I'd never thought about this until I met you. And I think I started following you. I don't know, sometime earlier this year, I you you snuck into my world and I started noticing. And I'll be honest, the first couple of months that I followed you and I got your emails, I had no idea what you meant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, pick your date. What are you talking about? And I would go back to your website. I don't know why I didn't just ignore it after a while but I was just uh, what does she mean what is she talking about and it has been such an interesting evolution this year because I never thought about that before Mm -hmm. and I was just talking to my coaching uh, members in my coaching program today about how your business is a separate entity and if you are rude and you neglect it and you treat it badly it's you're not going to get back from it what you want. And I attribute a lot of that kind of awareness right now that I'm growing into following you and reading what you put out. And I don't know that I get all of like, I don't couldn't tell you right now, which one of your characters, but the seven archetypes. I know I, I three are popping up right now as you're talking, but <laughs> I, you know, seven. it's funny. I got an awareness earlier this year that my relationship with money is very similar to my relationship with my ex and my relationship with my dad. And that was huge because it was very much this external entity outside of me, away from me that controls the money, my ex or my dad. When I was a kid, my, my business, my bank account, I guess I was putting that same experience onto it and they controlled the money And even though I was burning myself out to generate it, I didn't have full access to it Mm. or permission to use it. And I had to explain and justify to them why I needed more money. And the answer always was, well, you just had $20 last week. Why do you need more, right, as an example? And then having to justify where I spent that. Now, what I realized was, I was doing the same thing to myself with money over the last few months because it was like, well, you just made X number of dollars last month. Why do you need to make more this month? (laughs) I was noticing this pattern and it was so, uh, so I don't know. I mean, an abusive ex, maybe that's been my relationship with money. Um, But, you know, flipped a little bit in that I'm doing it to myself and I'm putting that on to money and my business to take on that role. And since that awareness, boy, I've tried 
I've been working on cozying up to money and being a much kinder, loving person towards my money than ever before. <laughs> because oh, I, love that. I don't want that energy anywhere in my life, but I was mm-hmm. not realizing that it was being replicated in my relationship with money, which yeah. was really, really interesting to become aware of. Yeah. It's like the light bulb goes off and you're like, well, wait a minute. And a lot of my clients who work with me come to me like that. And they're like, date money. I don't even like money. Money and I, I need to divorce money and get a new partner. (laughs) I'm like, well, let's talk about this. Like, what are you doing with money? And, you know, there's a a lot of um, ladies that come to me who I have no income. I said, okay, well, let's talk about that. What do you mean you have no income? You know, and they're traveling all over the world. They're, you know, um, living in these beautiful homes. You'll see them on a boat, you know, out with their friends. So how do you pay for all that stuff? Oh, well, I have an inheritance. I have a windfall. I have a severance pack. Okay, well, you have income. <laughs> you, know, just, you have it tied up in an asset and like using that asset to make it work for you so that you mm-hmm. know you have income. But it's so funny because as a financial coach, I just assume people understand like financial terms, right? Like debt, like what does debt Mm -hmm. mean to you? Or income, what does income mean to you? And assets and resources and people have different um, definitions of those things. And to me, debt is, you know, everything you pay when you owe somebody money, whether it's your electric bill, your cell phone bill, that's a debt that you have to pay. Mm -hmm. But we do it so automatically, like it's normal to have to pay your cell phone bill. You know, but back in the day when we were kids, there was no cell phone bill. Right. <laughs> there was right. one phone in the house and you were lucky if you had a private line versus a party line. Right. So, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Times, times have definitely changed. So when you think about all of the things that you have, like, you know, we keep our business expenses separate from our personal expenses and everyone has an accountant that covers their business expenses, but they don't have an accountant that covers their personal expenses. So how do you balance that for your own, to keep yourself disciplined? Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that before. So, cause I mean, my accountant does both my personal and my corporate taxes, but they're not in my personal like they are in my corporate so that's interesting to think about and you got me thinking like debt to me has always felt like shame Mm. and income always felt like proof or validation and I've really been working in the last few months with this like desensitizing myself to that and going you know making a sale doesn't mean anything about me using my credit card doesn't mean anything about me there's like it just means I'm trying to get to a place of less emotional response to it right and looking at like your credit card debt being an investment that you made on something you didn't want to wait for Mm -hmm. right it's interesting having kids that are now getting credit cards and trying hope praying that they are going to listen to what I say rather than based their usage based on what they've seen Mm -hmm. over the years right um but I really I've I've been a big tracker of my expenses since 2016 so on July 1st of 2016 I decided I'm track I I was tired of never knowing where my money went Mm -hmm. and always feeling like I didn't have enough money for everything and having to say no to the kids for things And so I originally carried around a little book in my purse and I'd write down everything I spent in that book. And then when the book got full, I thought, oh, I got to 
change this. I got used to doing the system. So then I put it into a Word document. And then that's transferred over now into a Google document, but I still do it. And I track every penny I spend personally. Um, fixed expenses include it, like my rent and my hydro, as well as unfixed expenses. So things that come up, I have them in categories. I do this for my business as well. But I can tell you how much I've spent in groceries every month for the last eight years. That's awesome. And Most people that, don't have those, those good records. I, I mean, it's so empowering. Mm-hmm. And once I decided I was going to do it, it wasn't painful to do. It wasn't a pain in the ass. But you know what I found out? I did a lot more with my money than I knew because you forget. Well, I forget what I spent yesterday, right? But if I can look back and go, oh, I did that. I bought that. I bought that. Or I, you know, I took the kids here. I did this. Then I could go, oh, wait a minute. It's okay that there's less money today because look at all the fun we had yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I could look at each month and go, I don't have to feel bad that at what my bank account says right now. Cause look at everything I did. Look at what I paid off. Look at where I made the, you know, m- movement in the right direction. So it gave me a really visible visual reference that, has empowered my spending ever since. And you know what? I found out I'm really good at managing my money. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Because when I thought I had no money, I was doing way more things with it than I was giving myself credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very powerful tool to do that. Yeah. So I'm always on top of what my personal spending is and knowing where it's going to go and what I'm going to do with it and knowing what I have coming up that I need to cover. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't keep living as a single mom of two kids in a pretty expensive city. I couldn't keep living how I did when I was single, you know, and just taking right. care of myself and the cat. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole new ballgame when you have kids involved and mm-hmm. thinking about that, you know, that that cycle, like keeping those records is so important because a lot of people do you know, bank balancing, they'll look at their bank and say, Oh, I have this much money to spend. And then all of a sudden a bill comes up and they're like, Oh, darn, where's my money? You know, it's it's so important to have those, you know, the, the, those sheets, those, you know, profit loss statements, the, the balancing sheets, I call it the wealth activation roadmap, where you look at everything and you're like, yes, this is, I, this is all the money I have. And looking there before you spend money is one of the keys to becoming a millionaire, because you look and say, okay, this is how much money I have, you know, like I have my, we have our fun money category. This is how much money I get to spend. And this is how much I've spent so far this month. So yeah, like we're going to go out and have fun. And there's not that sense of guilt of, oh, oh, I shouldn't spend this. I shouldn't go on this trip. I shouldn't, you know, go out to dinner because I really don't have the money. And then all that guilt. So being able to spend your money freely with no guilt is so key. And you had mentioned about the debt, like, you know, we want it now. I like to say debt is borrowing from our future self. There's something that we, we we convince ourselves that we can't wait for it. We have to have it now because it's going to help us. And most of the time, it's something that's going to help us feel that feeling. You know, we, we mm-hmm. get an endorphin hit. We Whatever happens, we want to be able to say, yeah, I couldn't wait for this. And I needed this now because it's going to help me grow in some way. And when we look at our debt, we do good things with our debt. I mean, I, I know... A lot of people, a lot of young people, especially after the pandemic, they've been using credit cards to pay their rent because rent is astronomically high. I mean, I've never Mm -hmm. seen rent so high 
and all the years that I've been in the finance and insurance industry. And I think, why is rent so high? I mean, they did a, a special on it a while ago about, you know, the reason why it is. But for a young person, I mean, there's so much money. I mean, literally in the US, you have to make at least $50,000 to cover, you know, a, a nice apartment and, you know, a, a reliable vehicle and to put good food on your table. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's just so important to realize it. But, you know, we like to say in the finance world, if you have to go into debt to pay your basic operating expenses and your basic necessary living expenses, then you shouldn't have those expenses. And people mm -hmm. are like, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> and let's not talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went through that exercise earlier this year where I looked at all of my expenses and mm -hmm. I found a whole bunch of places that I could get rid of things and realize I didn't need that subscription anymore. And I think at the end of a couple of months, I'd saved myself about $5,000 a month in expenses. And I went, holy smokes, like that's a game changer. That's a ton of money. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. Very happy about that. But it took some, you know, there was a few days where I'd go, oh, I could get rid of that. And then I'd go, no, I can't get rid of it. Yes, I can. So then, I, you know, take me a few days to get to that decision. But I beat myself into submission because at the end of the day, I'd rather have the money than whatever that subscription was. Right. Well, I know a lot of subscriptions don't get used. You know, people get all happy and gun ho about them. And then three or four months, they're like, eh, this doesn't really help me anymore. I don't want this. But there seems yeah. to be a lot of opportunities to have a subscription. And, you know, I have a monthly membership, to, you know, to crush on debt. And it's valuable because you get the exact tools you need to pay down debt. And, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of them are in there. They're making significant strides towards paying down debt, but the most importantly, not racking it back up. And mm -hmm. that's the key because mm -hmm. so many people can pay off their debt, but find themselves in worse debt within two or three years. So breaking yeah. that cycle, our thoughts are our most powerful tool that we have in managing and relating to our money. So yeah. when you think about you know, money as a person and you're partnering with money, um, I know at one time you had shared with me um, that you had wrote a letter to money. And how did that change your perspective when you like actually sat down and wrote a letter to money? And I'm sure that was an impetus from something I watched of yours or, mm -hmm. you know, that gave me this idea to do it. And it really started forming um, something solid as what I see money as like I started seeing it more as a partner not this elusive thing that I didn't deserve to have or that I never have the right to have you know that's still a process for me because that was a message from you know as a young child um, but it started really helping me see money as something that I deserved something that I could have and that I could spend it however I wanted and that it was happy to be there and support me. And so it kind of gave it more solidity to this thing called money um, than I'd had before. You know, it always had been something that somebody else had that I never had before. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, it's, it's something that's with me all the time and it's got more of a structure to it than it ever had before, which is weird to say, cause it's really, you know, just energy floating around back and forth. But until I started making it more of a structured thing, 
it was energy that I didn't seem to be able to get a hold of the way I mm-hmm. wanted to. And once I started making it structured, then the energy seemed to move a whole lot more. So it's it's kind of counterintuitive to, I think, how it's supposed to go, but it works for me. But yeah, and it, it does work because whatever your thoughts are, right, whatever you believe you receive. And if you're dishing on money and you're criticizing money and talking behind money's back, money's going to be like, <laughs> forget you. I'm not hanging out yeah. with you. So yeah. a lot of people unintentionally push money away by focusing on the lack. You know, I had talked sure. to one of my um, new clients that just signed on when we first did the call. She was like, well, I don't have any money. I got a lousy $10 to my name. I'm like, that's $10. That's not lousy. That's like amazing. Like that's a beautiful yeah. contribution of money being in your presence. Like I get excited finding a penny. <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah. And I'm a millionaire and I get excited finding a penny on the road. I do a happy dance in the in public and everyone's looking at me like, what? What happened? I go, I found a penny. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, this is exciting. You know, I, I found a dime a couple of weeks ago and I found $20 bills. I find those a lot. And it's fun to find money and, and to see it hanging out wherever and you know, when you get those surprise checks in the mail or, you know, all of a sudden you open up your bank account and, you know, oh, you got you got transferred. I had to in the beginning of the month, I had a seven hundred dollar surprise of money that I had no idea was coming in. One was from a settlement suit and one was from a dispute that I had on my credit card. It's like, yes. And then you, yeah. know, you go to the store and you get a 25 percent discount or you find out it's no sales tax day. And that's a bonus. <laughs> that's money coming your way. So being Absolutely. able to celebrate all that. So what's your yeah. most favorite memory with money and celebrating money? Oh, in celebrating money. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's maybe not just one thing, but I think in general, uh, the thing that comes up for me is when I've been able to use that money to celebrate like my kids' birthdays or to take them on trips and make those memories. Like when I think about those kinds of things that we have done together, my daughter's uh, birthday when we went to Victoria and the fun that we had, the laughter that we had, the meals that we had, you know, all because I had enough money come in, you know, being able to take them to Mexico when in 2015, which was our first international trip first time any of us had been to Mexico we still talk about that trip they Mm -hmm. still talk about the (laughs) all-inclusive resorts the first time they'd ever been in an all-inclusive all-inclusive resort my son would eat way more now than he'd probably put them out of business now if, (laughs) if we went it's those memories of celebrating and that's kind of interesting celebrating other people so what I'm hearing for myself is I, I want to start creating memories of when I've used money and that money has helped me to celebrate me because my, the first thing that came to mind was when I could celebrate them, which I think is fabulous, but Mm -hmm. I saw, see a gap. I see an opportunity for me to end money to celebrate me. So Mm -hmm. I'll be doing that. Yeah. That's an excellent idea. That's one of the exercises that we do in our program is creating that memory, like what's money done for me and realizing like all the beautiful things throughout your life. And, you know, a lot of people look at like their education and their trips and their homes and their cars, like your first car, that's a cool memory because, you know, who doesn't love that? No, I got first car. I have all this freedom and all of that. So I love hearing your story and, 
you know, I, I know you're an entrepreneur. You've, um, we introduced you with Facebook ads. You shared how you got started back in 2010. I love that. So share, share your elevator pitch with us. Well, as I told you, I don't really have an elevator pitch because <laughs> I kind of do things counterintuitively. Um, so I don't really have that structured elevator pitch, but I help entrepreneurs grow their audience and collect more leads so that they can sell more programs using organic and paid Facebook marketing. Oh, I love that. I love that. And what's, uh, you know, we'll put the links to get in touch with you in the show notes. So, but just tell us what's the best way to connect with you. Uh, Facebook. <laughs> I, I, I love Facebook. My, my community calls me the queen of Facebook. So yes, I've got a profile, a business page, a group. Um, but yeah, connecting on Facebook is probably the best place because I spend most of my time there. Okay, perfect. And what's one tip that you can share with the audience that will just give them a little micro result and help them, you know, move the needle in their business with their money? You know, um, Oh, and I had something when you told me you were going to ask me this. I had something early on and now it's gone. Um, repetition. Yes, that's it. If if you're in your if you're in a business and you are not making the sales that you want, that does not mean you need another program or another coach or another course or anything else or that you have to create something else to sell. It means you need to invite people to the thing you're selling more often. And I got this reinforced this weekend. Um, somebody complained to me that I sold too often and that I was too salesy and really put her off. And after I got past my initial reaction of wanting to be defensive, I went, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to double down now <laughs> because... If you are not making the sales, people don't know what you're offering. Exactly. And I'm not, I'm not saying just go and message everybody and, and tell them I sell this. You've got to have an enticing way of selling, but you don't need to create something new. You just need to repeat the offer. And we too often do it once and go, didn't, don't get the result that we think we will and go, well, that's it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then move on to the next thing. And I've been guilty of that as well. But really the, the success in your business comes from talking about the same thing over and over and over again and inviting people to the same thing over and over and over again. That's amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's welcome. a wonderful tip. I love that. So for those of you who are listening, be sure you check the show notes to connect with Sherry Lee. If you're you know, wanting to move the needle on your business, be repetitive, be consistent and persistent. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. 
Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.